Okay, so, so let's stop. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Parenting Unknown Podcast. My name is Matt. Thanks again for listening for another week. Hopefully, everything is going well with everyone by the time you listen to this. Thanks for all the new listeners. Thanks for all the new downloads. Um, I do appreciate everyone listening to this because, let's face it, when I started this, I didn't really think anybody was going to listen, much less be engaged with. I really use this as a big therapy tool to help me get along with some things that are going on in my life, kind of feel better, kind of understand things, but it's still that. I'm more invested in like wanting to do this on a weekly basis, figuring out certain subjects to talk about, whether it's speaking up for the common man, uh, the common parent, or just, you know, just different topics that I want to explore that happened to me with my kids. And I just want to lay that info out there for somebody who might be curious. But as I watch Blood and Blood Out, which is a three hour movie about family, about three cousins who grew up in the same area and took three different paths throughout life. One was, one became a cop. The other one became a junkie artist, and the other one became leader of a Chicano prison gang. Sounds wild, but if you actually sit down and watch this movie, it, it's a great story. I mean, I've been watching this as a kid, and yes, as weird as it is, watching this three-hour movie as a kid, it's fucking wild. But at the same time, I watched Sinner's List when I was like nine or ten, so this is not that different. Actually, it is. But one of my personal favorites, unfortunately, you can really only watch this digitally on YouTube. The subject matter is a little bit wild, has to do with prisons, gangs, you know, being from the East LA area. But this is also a Disney movie. When this movie was being made, the Disney bought the company that was overseeing everything. So probably for lack of better words, Disney's not going to release this on digital because it could be traced back to their their image or whatever. But if you think about stuff like that, Pulp Fiction is also a Disney movie because Disney bought Miramax. So if you think about an army, <laughs> was it army captain? Talking to a kid, how he uh, smuggled his father's watch up his ass that he's now giving him. I mean, but talking about Blood and Blood Out made me think of one of my old co-workers who actually became a good friend. And a while back, we were talking and I don't know if it was just me. He felt really comfortable to me, but he got, was able to like actually talk about things. Talk about like inner emotions, fears, wants, needs, desires, you know, things like that. Like stuff that makes a real friend could you could entrust with that you're not going to get made fun of or anything like that. Because back in the day, if you were talking about like something, your feelings, what what was going to happen? You're going to be called gay. You're gay. And no, 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 no. I'm not making fun of any, any communities right now. I'm talking about back then, you know, there are different times back then. And that word was tossed around just when you're abnormal, you're, you're gay. Plain and simple. It was just called, it didn't say, you know, you liked men. It didn't say you liked the homosexual acts. You were just gay. That's it. You were just gay. Schoolyard shit. So you want to hear friends are like, you know what? I'm feeling sad and blah, 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 blah. And I feel like if, you know, whatever, you just get called gay. So with that being said, being able to talk to an actual friend and actually like, you know what, dude, I'm sad. I'm, I'm afraid. That's what, that's what a real friend is now. And it means a lot, especially from someone who's around our age, from around our area that we grew up in. It, it genuinely does mean a lot. One thing that we were exchanging was we kind of came up with this. This thing was teaching what I wasn't taught. Plain and simple. Teaching what I wasn't taught. I mean, there's, there's a battle within me within seconds. I'm trying to teach my kids different for how, how I was brought up. Something new. Something that I wanted. 
But what I do know is what was taught to me. What I do know, it slowly creeps. It waits in every decision that I make with my kids, especially when it comes to discipline. And let's face it, I'm a father between two generations. And what that means is I'm stuck with a different outlook on life. From being taught to going out on my own and figuring out what is right and what is wrong. We hear a lot of this when it comes to music and the general current PC culture. And what that means is I'm stuck between different outlooks on life. I'm stuck with the current new age of thinking, the current, you know, PC culture kind of thing, and the more strict, harsh, older generation. But being between generations has a meaning like I didn't think I was going to be a part of. So there's a list of things to teach my kids that I wasn't taught. Teaching how I'm looking at is now guidance. Guidance to help kids prepare to to run their own lives. One of the main ones is self-respect. Self-respect is believing you are good and you're worthy of being treated well. In a short definition, dads that I know only want the best for their kids and their future kids. Just a small amount that I know gives me faith that fathers can step up and start a new generation on, you know, taking on this advantage. My kids will have their dad teach. Not Uncle Phil, not Mr. Winslow, like who taught me a lot of things, Mr. Homer Simpson. And I'm in a confused state at times because I feel like I'm left in the dark and would it would have to show my boy or my daughter. In my in my personal headspace, I'm trying to think back of what I lacked and what I needed. It's hard to think at times, but just as I'm trying to teach my son, he's you know, he's teaching me a lot more. Teaching me a lot more about myself too. Teaching more than honestly I could really even want to know. First is realizing self worth. It starts small. But building confidence early is a great tool to have and develop over the years to come. And another huge one is learning about our emotions. That's huge in our household right now. Very, very huge. It's not just what's happy. It's about being sad, being angry, being excited, being confused, feeling empathetic. Just to name a couple of emotions that we feel. And it's really learning why these things are happening. It's so easy to say, you know what? You're crying too much. Shut up or I'm going to spank you. It's so easy to say that because there's times where I want to say that to the kid directly. And I I have to bite my tongue because that's the old way of what I was taught trying to come out. And the new way is, like I mentioned before, know my boy, I got to raise my voice because if I don't, if I try to talk to him calmly and normally, his crying is still out there. He's just not going to hear me. I I just don't know what it is. His his sonar crying is just not going to like allow my teachings or my voice to come in. Somebody throw out a big hey or, you know, something like call out his name loud. Stops him. I'm like, come here. Let's talk. And I mean, it's a work. It's definitely a work. You know, but nothing sucks more than having a kid feel this way and having his feelings hit us all at once right after another and not knowing how to handle it. I'm talking to my buddy about this. For some of us new fathers, we really look forward to doing this with our kids. And honestly, just to ensure that they grow up not feeling like us. Sure, we made it out okay. We're doing good for ourselves. But imagine if we were taught what we were talking about right now. So one way, like I said, I got taught how to handle my emotions or outbursts is getting smacked whenever they came up. Getting smacked. It happened for the longest time until I hit a certain age because, you know, I was quote unquote too old to smack. But it didn't stop my uncle. He tried a couple of times and just like in a movie, one of the few times I actually laughed because I just thought it was damn near hilarious. He tried hitting me and like a Superman movie, I just held his fist in my the palm of my hand. I just held him and I just told him, don't. 
and went back to washing my clothes. And he left crying and I don't know, within five, 10 minutes, my phone kept blowing up and my aunts were bitching at me to, to apologize to my uncle. Total bullshit, total shit that I had to deal with with him, like his hurt feelings, whatever. You know, you know things like that. You know, after, after a while, what I knew was keep it in. It's not worth it. It's not worth crying. It's not worth letting out your emotions. Just keep it in and shut up. Suck it up. But it's completely unhealthy. It's completely unhealthy. And honestly, that's where childhood stress and anxiety kicks in. When I talk about the always creeping in on me is when, for example, when my son cries, usually for a few things, it's not really that a big of a deal. Well, to us adults anyway. But the fact remains, he's still processing these emotions in his way. So we try to approach him and ask him why he's crying. And for an outburst, figuring out why, why it can come to be a quick solution. But kids cry, they cry, they cry, they cry it out loud, loud and loud. And as a parent, it's a bit much when you're trying to help the kids and the kids are yelling. So the old way is by smacking the kids and telling them to shut up. For a split tenth of a second, a small little fraction, it starts to manifest to me, that's the solution. So I can get this Batman voice, like this Darth Sidious voice in your head, like, hit him. You know, something stupid like that. You know, but why? It's because it's embedded into us. We've been a part of it so long. That's just part of who we are in a sad, depressing way. And for those tenths of a second, I have a mini battle in my head of what's right versus wrong. Hit versus talk. Of course, I choose talk. It really takes you a lot to be the bigger person. You should be the bigger person. You're a fucking adult. It takes a lot to be the bigger person as an adult to sit down with your kid and talk and try to figure out what's going on, try to handle this emotion. You know, this is, this is what I want to do with my kids. I want to teach them. And you know, when I'm frustrated too, I'll tell them, you know, I'm frustrated too. I'm angry, but you know what? And they'll say, they'll look at me or they'll say what? Or Max will say, huh? I said, I'm still frustrated. I'm so angry, but guess what? I still love you. I'm still your dad and I'm still here. going to be with you 110% along the way. But you got to understand, kid, kind of upset me a little bit. Got a little frustrated. So I need to step away for a minute or two. And that's okay. That's okay to teach the kids. Sometimes you got to remove yourself from the situation. Sometimes you got to take a step back, take a deep breath. And then come back and reassess everything. That's fine. But it's something we got to teach ourselves, mainly more, especially teach the kids. And for some people, this is nothing to them. They don't even think twice about it. They just do it automatically or they do their old way of the smacking. And for me, even though sometimes there's this inner battle with me, it's becoming easier and easier. Just more, it's just natural. Happens 100% of the time where, of course, I talk to the kid. Talk to the girl too. But like I said, my girl, she's different. We got to approach things in a different way. Where my son is more frustrated and angry with certain situations, my girl gets sad and embarrassed and different. So you got embarrassed and angry. You got to approach those in different ways. My daughter, I don't have to yell. I don't have to raise my voice to get her attention to stop crying to like, listen to me. You got to go there softly, calmly with open arms and, you know, be ready to give her a hug first because that's usually what she wants and then go on from there. Well, my boy, you really got to stop him and say, you know what? Stop crying. Practice our listening. And right now I'm talking. I need you to listen to me. I need you to stop crying. Try to focus on what I'm saying because I'm trying to help you. What's going on? This is happening next time. Let's try to do this. And sometimes it works. Sometimes he stops. And guess what? Sometimes he's still going to cry. And why is he going to cry? Because all these emotions that he let out, they're still out there. You just got to let them out. You just do. I mean, so that's when you just got to hug him a couple minutes, 
crying stops, and then they go on. And, you know, sometimes they'll come up with their head and say, you know, oh, all right, like you said, next time, this next time, and they'll, they'll be a little bit better. But every parent will have this, this priority different, and that'll be fine. Everyone parents their own way. This is just how me and my buddy were talking. This is just how I was thinking, like, what I want to teach that I was taught. I was like, we want to make sure that we give our kids what they want and what they need. As our role as parents, both are fine, but we have the best systems for the kids. This thing goes out one of our own selves when we get put off first. Me, it's emotions. I was angry, sad kid. I masked that up with most of the time with a smile. And to be honest, it was exhausting. I never really understood why. I never understood why I was so sad not having parents. I never understood why I was so sad seeing my grandma getting sick. I never understood why I got so angry and my uncle tried being a dad when he wasn't. So many unchecked questions and I felt that there was no outreach or help. So the way my family was when I would ask one person, the whole family knew. It was embarrassing. And I felt I really couldn't turn to my family when I needed their advice, when I needed it most. And that's why I chose my emotions first when it came to figuring out ways to get together and to overcome these outbursts and you know different little things. And, you know, that's why I chose the godparents that I did. It's for all of my kids to reach out and really talk if they ever needed life advice. And honestly, that's why I chose the godparents that I did for my kids. For me, it's really about my kids reaching out and trying to talk to somebody if they really need advice about life and emotions and so on and so on. Of course, they have their mom and dad, but having those extra outlets are ideal for the kids to have, you know, feel safe and to have options. Plus, I know they will have the kids' best interests at heart even in the worst case scenario, that something would happen to us. And one of the reasons why I chose those people opposed to like, let's say my own family is because me and my cousins all have the same godfather. There's like a good 10, 11 of us. And we all have my uncle as a godfather. Fucking sucks. And my, rant, my aunts ran to him like if he was, you know, the holiest of the holy. There was never any real emotional support. It was just really him hitting all of us. And he did what he wanted to, and nobody could tell him to do otherwise. It was complete, utter, chaotic, this, this weird dictator, you know, bullshit. So I had to do something opposite when it came to teaching my girls, godparents, you know, mainly friends, and my, my sons. It was, you know, I just wanted a different route. Sure, it upset a cousin who I thought of, you know, my memory of my family scarred me to do the opposite. And as you hear this, I hope she understands my reasons. It wasn't like a personal hit. And I really didn't know that the role emotions play with kids until I had them. And with my kids, I think now of the outreach for the future for them. <laughs> so that's why the people I, I chose them because I trust them in their decisions. They're all good parents. Well, Nick's not a parent, but in the end, Nick, he's good head on his shoulders. He's a good person to be around. And I know he has uh, the best interest at heart, especially when it comes to the kids. I know he'll step up. My other friend too, best interest of the kids, my two sister-in-law. So I know in a worst case scenario, if something were to happen, I know those people will have my kids back and ultimately create a decision for for them what the best outcome could be. But, you know, outreach. I know with those four people that they all bring different different aspects to the table. So, you know, whatever my kids come with, you know, questions, wonders, something like that, those people could help. And I trust them. I may be a bit overdoing it into wanting to separate, wanting to be separate from my family. But I can't come to grips and doing what they did or, you know, or, or do I when it terms, in terms of like raising kids. From my grandma hitting my godmother with a two by four, preventing her to go to school 
for a couple of weeks because she was so bad from my uncle hitting me with a closed fist, you know, giving me like hammer punches in the back of my hand to making her kids kneel on rice. No way I'm being them in my life. I can't. I won't. I want to honestly, when I look at my kids, I couldn't think of that. They're so innocent. They don't deserve it. I mean, we were innocent. We didn't deserve it, but it still happened to us. So with us, with me, it stops. Some of the fundamentals of self-respect and self-consciousness, I'm trying to teach the kids, trying to, you know, give them the heads up. They don't have to be big. They can start by letting the kids know that they're brave. They're courageous when it comes to facing their fears and they do it. One of the greatest feelings is my boy comes to me and he says he's not scared no more. He's, he's brave. And I ask him, how strong are you? He gives me the like, you know, a little Arnold pose, the little biceps. And I know he, he understands it. I know he feels it. these little building steps will come to play later in life. And I'm sure in our own ways, we all do this some way, some fashion. And I know my past leads up to us in a different teaching past. And I know from our past leads us to taking different teaching paths. I feel as though it's my double duty because I don't want my son learning how to shave from the symptoms like I did. But the pressures we put on ourselves can have positive results. We just got to take that advice when it comes to giving our kids and taking that step. Wanting to do these things that are not so associated with the families and our teachings, it's, it's scary taking that first step. Like we tell our kids to be brave and when it comes to like potty training, talking about our emotions, we teach them about, you know, taking that first step. We could do it. We're courageous. We're brave. We got to take that advice for ourselves as adults. We got to go forward, pretty put that foot in motion. So that's something that I want to practice. I want to teach. And for the most part, they're, they're getting there little by little. And as a parent, as parents, we, I, we, we couldn't be more proud. So thanks again for listening for another week. Hopefully everything hits you well. And until next time.